Caught Offside with Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. Oh, yes. Caught Offside from the Upper West Side of Manhattan. Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. What's up, brother? Had a little cry on the subway this morning. Tears running down my face listening to a podcast. Really? We'll get to that later. Wasn't our podcast, by the way. Are you exaggerating or were you no, actually crying on w- the subway? Welled up and uh, could feel a little tear running down my cheek. But we will explain that later. This is called a tease in the business, Andrew. I'm setting up the rest of what will no doubt be a brilliant podcast. Boy, you are really a sensitive soul. Oh, I am. Yeah, there's am. depth to you that I've never even, I haven't even touched yet. I don't want you touching my depth. Is the fairest thing I can say. Should be a fun podcast. Champions League action to discuss as we are into the knockout stages. This is the business end of the competition, I believe, is what true professionals say. I don't really know what it means, but I like to fashion myself as a true professional. Um, yeah, this should be a good time. We've got a big uh, red card man of the match. What to watch for. CONCACAF Champions League also back. Which means the song's back. Uh, the song. So I saw some people tweeting about love the song. It. Uh, the thing that I'm curious about with the song, uh, are there like actual lyrics that you remember from year to year, or is it just on the fly? Just um, go with the it? lyrics that always come back to me are "These aren't the best teams." Right, that's like your baseline kind of. Wait, who are these teams? You've never heard of them. But they're champions, right. some of them, not all of them. It's moving. I hear that song and it it, it does move me. Um, boy, I got a haircut today and it just... Uh, normally they ask me uh, if I want gel in my hair and I usually say no. It's just not It's just not me. I have no problem with other people who put gel in their hair, but it's just not me. Today he just went for it and I haven't felt like myself the entire day. It will undoubtedly affect me on this podcast. I think your haircut's magnificent. I'm tweeting out a picture of it right now. A little tighter on the sides than usual. Brush back with a bit of gel. You look good. You look very good. And I think you should just accept it. And also, you should gel your hair more regularly. It's... I don't know. I don't know how to do it. I don't know the right amount to use. It's, It's just not me. But let's talk about the soccer, JJ. The soccer, it persists. The Champions League returns the round of 16 first legs... Uh, of the first half of the round of 16. Um, let's see. Do you have any any particular match you want to get to first? I, I know I have them in an order here in which they occurred, but I don't really care. <clears throat> if there's something most pressing to you, then we can just go straight to that. Uh, can we begin with Tottenham and uh, Leipzig? Gladly. Because we can put Liverpool back. I don't need to start with Liverpool. Okay, so we will start Tottenham losing to Leipzig uh, at home. 1-0 is your final. I do have a lot of thoughts on this game. Um, and obviously Josie Mourinho will factor into this conversation because he's... Oh, I, I'm, I'm uh, leaving know, him right uh, to the end. I'll tell you what, man. I On the mornings of these podcasts where I know Tottenham and specifically him are going to be a, a conversation piece, mm. I, I actually wake up nervous. <laughs> Am I that domineering of a has, person? He, it's, it's you. It's definitely you. Uh, it's just him. It's... It's also just what it does to me inside. Like, I, it just has brought me to a kind of a place now where I don't, I don't really enjoy talking about Tottenham on this podcast because of how divisive he is. It, here's the root of what I'm saying. So, ultimately, 
all of the criticisms that are being levied against Jose Mourinho for what happened yesterday, I think are are valid. Uh, Tottenham, like it was that negative style. Um, it's not. It wasn't enjoyable to watch. By the time they kind of decided, okay, let's kick on and do something about this, it was just it was just going to be hard for them to score because it doesn't. It just soccer doesn't work that way. You can't just say, okay, we're going to score now. Goal. Like it just the it trade. Takes, it's what just is, not easy. What is now becoming the Tottenham trademark final twenty minutes right. rally? Yeah. Um, so like, I'm not going to sit here and criticize the the Josie haters today who are feeling that way and lord knows i've seen on twitter and i've gone to every website there's a, they're out there i saw nick miller's like hit piece on Mourinho on espnfc.com today uh, so you know like i get it and i wasn't happy watching that game either um now the reason what i'm doing is kind of unfair and this doesn't need to be an argument it's just honestly me just kind of telling you how i feel about all this it, it's not a footnote in this that kane and son are out injured and that mm. you know we want to make fun of and we'll hear from Jose Mourinho we want to make fun of his comments after the game that those players are hurt and his other attack-minded player that he wants to bring on in Eric Lamella hasn't trained all week and right. is just being thrown from no training into the fire of a Champions League round of 16 okay. game against the number two team in the Bundesliga like I'm sorry both of the things are true Mourinho it was a, it was disappointing and the fact that like Wanting to play a defensive-minded style, but not having your most attack-minded players, so you can at least have something at the other end, it matters. And, and like I'm reading Nick Miller, and I don't mean to point him out specifically, but he treats those injuries like it's a footnote, and um, it, it's just—it's more important than that. It just is. Right. Okay. Well, let me start off with the positives. I think that's a brilliant result for Spurs because had Schick gone to the left of Laurie slow and hard, that's two nil. Had Angelino squeeze one in, that's 3-0. I really think that even in the losing effort, Hugo Lloris was my man of the match. He was excellent. I think had Timo Werner been a little bit sharper in terms of his goal scoring, certainly he was sharp getting down that left-hand side with Angelino. Um, I think this game would have been completely out of out of Tottenham's control. At 1-0, it is still very much in their gift. We know what cup football is like. The Spurs can certainly go to Leipzig. And get an away goal and suddenly suddenly it's all looking rosy or everything's possible. Mm. Um, so those are the positives. Um, I should also mention that uh, Lo Celso was a positive for me in this game. I think early on he nutmegs the Leipzig defender and puts Ged- Gedson Fernandez in. He should have scored. Then how are we looking at this game? Probably Spurs have to sit in for 70, 75 minutes. But whatever. So... You know, in terms of result, I think this could have been much, much, much worse for Definitely. Spurs. Now, you said it's not a footnote that Kane is missing. And Son. And Son is missing. And I certainly don't think so. If you watch Spurs at the weekend against Aston Villa, it's impossible. It's impossible to imagine them pulling off what they did without Hyunmin Son. And that's against a relegation candidate, not the second best team in the Bundesliga. However, Andrew, it's not a footnote that this was a completely rejigged defensive unit for RB Leipzig. It's not a footnote that they started at the heart of their defence, A, a player who may not be a defender in Ethan Ampadu, and B, a player who's on loan from Chelsea at 19 years of age. That was his second start. I mean, he was thrown in into this scenario, and apart from, he had a few shaky moments, but other than that, 
I'm I'm picking up in the second half, and it's it's maybe ten minutes into the second half, and I'm watching Ampadu receive a ball unchallenged in the central midfield spot and ping a thirty-five yard pass out to the wing, unchallenged. Now. These are important things too. At no point did Spurs get on the front foot and make this kid uncomfortable. Like, it's absolutely baffling to me. Not baffling. It's infuriating to me to watch the Mourinho press conferences where he, he gives the litany of players that are injured, the players who were tired. We didn't just have injuries. We had Lamella had not trained. He, came, he comes on. Um, okay, fine. He didn't train. But then Bergwijn was was tired. Lo Celso tired. Everyone's tired. Okay, but I refuse to believe that the only way Spurs could have played last night, even with the paucity of centre-forward options, he started with Deli Alley, you know, a World Cup veteran for and, a, and, and a, a player of some repute who started on fire for this manager. He started with him up front alongside, who was it he had up front? Lucas Mora. Lucas Mora, who has been a match winner in this competition for Spurs. Now, they're not out-and-out centre-forwards. And what you can't do is lump the ball at them. So, is Mourinho saying, I need that forward that's going to hold the ball up with his back to goal because I'm going to play that way? That's That doesn't inspire confidence. Um, they were second to every ball. Leipzig dominated possession. There was a zest and a verve to their team. And I can't put it all down to the injuries and to the excuses of Jose Mourinho. Well, a couple of things. First of all, I don't know that I would go... I, I would say that Leipzig dominated in terms of the flow of the game, but if you want to say dominated possession, it was 56-44. At home, would you like Spurs? It felt, it felt like more, didn't right, it? But, but that is literally what it was. Okay. You know, shots were even. Uh, shots on target were both... It was, Remar- it was actually 5-5. But the quality, Remarkable. the quality of the shot for Leipzig was clearly of a different caliber mm. than what uh, the quality of the shot was for, for Tottenham. There's no question about that. I'm sure Leipzig's expected goals would have dwarfed that of Tottenham's in this game. I don't think it did, actually, but... Really? I'm not sure what it was. Maybe maybe it was dramatic. Maybe I'm, I've looked at so much expected goals in the last while. Let me, let me check that up. You keep, you, you keep going. Yeah. I, so here's the other thing for me that is not being talked about quite as much, because you're right, Josie, he goes through his litany of, of who's hurt and who's tired, and I think the who's tired is a message. He was not happy with the scheduling. He was very angry that Tottenham had to play Aston Villa on Sunday as opposed to Saturday, knowing they had a midweek Champions League fixture. Okay. So I think some of that was, yes, these guys are tired, but I also want to make my point right now that this was wrong, that we were put in this position, and, he, and Tottenham are playing the 7 a.m. or the 12... the the 12.30 game uh, England time against Chelsea this weekend on Saturday. So they've kind of been put, scheduling-wise, nobody's doing them any favors, and he's, he's trying to get that point out there. He wants okay. that known. Uh, the other thing, though, a player whose name we're not even mentioning, who I mention now every week because he's become my favorite player on the team without ever even really playing. Uh, JJ, the more I watch him, Tangi and Dombele is the most important player on the team. And Mourinho mentioned him as well as another guy who is not training. He's not fully fit, but they're for, they're in a position where they're forced to use him. He did not start this game, and I I really think he is a difference maker for them. He comes on in the last twenty minutes. He had four uh, four completed dribbles in this game. Mm. It was tied for the most of anybody in the entire game on both teams. He only played twenty minutes. He is the key for them. Like you talk about wanting to pressure guys in the midfield and push play and like link up defense to attack. Yeah, it, it's him. And I think Mourinho. I think that's why Josie Mourinho is so frustrated with him because Josie knows this is. I have the key to unlock some of the things that people are on me for not doing what they want me to do. And like 
this guy's just not fit enough for me to be using him. Uh, so he's forcing him in. I don't know if he was even fit enough to give him the 20 minutes, but he came on and he played well. Uh, I'd, maybe I'm naive. Maybe I'm lying to myself. But I'd like to believe that if, if he can be fully fit and just play every week, like when he sat against Aston Villa, I was like, all right, cool, because that means he's now going to go 90 midweek against Leipzig. But he's clearly just not fit. So for me, he's it. Like I really think, without Kane and Son, obviously, who are probably their two best players, I really think Ndombele is the most important player on the team. Um, and, and I think that it affects them. And you see, like you talk about, they're a different team in the last 20 minutes. This is usually what his role has been, because he hasn't been fit enough to play 90. So he comes in in those last 20 minutes, and he changes the game. So I'd like to see him fit before, again, I've talked all along about Jose Mourinho, I'm not thrilled with him, but I'm not ready to judge him yet because I think it's still kind of too early to, to do some of that and he's not playing with a full deck. You can mock that all you want, but it is true. You know, guys like Ndombele are why I feel that way. I'd like to see Ndombele, Kane, and Son all play together. How many times has it happened? It's hardly happened at all. You know, so. Michael Calley's XG, by the way, is um, it's a rough XG and it seems to me to be a bit flawed. Tottenham Hotspur 0.9, Orby Leipzig 1.0. So, um, I don't know. I, yeah, I would. Right. <clears throat> okay, I would question that. I mean, you would have, like the chances that Leipzig had just in the first three minutes alone. Yeah, you would have thought would have. Been look, high. look to your know. to your point. I think, um, in the in the post match, so I I listened to all twenty minutes of his his, his post match press conference with the media, and you know he shut down a lot of people. He keeps talking about how it can't be any different for the second leg. Come on, guys, you know, as if look what I'm dealing with here. Then he starts listing off how would Barcelona have been if been if you'd lost two of Neymar, uh, of Messi, sorry, of Messi, Griezmann, or Suarez. How would they be? And then he, and then he said, you know, look at Liverpool. How would Liverpool be without Mane? Uh, Firmino, Salah. And I think, yeah, all right, okay. But, you know, you're not asking for an extended period to be without this, these players. You're talking about one night. And look what Liverpool did to Barcelona in the second leg at Anfield that night. You know, they played with Divock Origi, Shakiri, and, and Sad, Sadio Mane up front. You know, it, it's, let me distill it down to what exactly it is for me. It's the idea that it can't be any other way. It's the idea that we couldn't possibly do it any other way. It's the idea that there was no ideas to be had other than what I came up with. And this is somehow a triumph. I get it. I'll defend him one last time okay. on on, a, on that. Um, you're right. Like There's a large sample set where this is what he wants to do. But I feel like the two games this season where he's come under the greatest degree of criticism, really by far, was... After the Liverpool loss, and then this one after this Leipzig loss, and like losing one nil to Liverpool, it was just not a game. And playing a defensive-minded style, and then trying to beat him on the counter, like it was for me, it was just never going to be a thing that I was going to kill him for. And then like for this one, you know, it's disappointing at home to play like that in the Champions League, but. I think that we're doing a great disservice to the quality of Leipzig in saying that Tottenham should have just bossed the game. And no, like, no. But I, I know you're not saying that. I'm just no. saying, generally speaking, like you know, expect Mourinho to just play a suddenly I, different style, attack-minded, and like not take into account that I Leipzig s- could could really get you doing that. Correct. And like again, I just feel like like you can say not having Kane and Son is mitigated by the fact that Lucas Mora has won Champions League games for them and Deli Alley play has started out playing well against Jose Mourinho but 
I'm sorry. Like, that's disingenuous to me to the quality of Kane and Son. Like, Lucas Mora, while he did play great against Ajax, he's horribly inconsistent. He has moments where he's the guy who gets the ball and drives play forward, and then he'll go 45 minutes, you won't hear his name. Can I ask you something, not to take you off topic, but um, Deli Ali, he was angry with himself or Mourinho? I don't think that's clear. I Mourinho said, Mourinho praised him afterwards and said that he was not angry with Mourinho, he was angry at himself. Um, you know, Deli Ali has been playing a ton since Kane has gone out and now with Sun out and he's playing out of position. He's being asked to do things that maybe he's not super comfortable with. So I get the sense that that was just, I don't know, I assume it was frustration probably with everybody, probably with himself, probably for Mourinho not giving him more of a chance. He's probably fatigued. You know, ever since he made that stupid video uh, while Tottenham were on break, I'm sure he's been getting it from people on yeah. social media and just mad at him. So, so that the, wor- been, the world has fall, fallen in a little bit. I mean, bit. maybe. It might have just kind of been like a general lashing out. Um, before, so before, before we get off this, um, I just wanted to... Remember I said that Nagelsmann versus Mourinho was going to be like this mirror from the past forward and how the reflections on Mourinho may not shine very brightly. And I think there's a bit of that. Yeah. The, the, the 32-year-old guy with all the the tactical ability to switch things around, seen as like this most progressive voice in European football right now, uh, a coveted manager. And then you've got Mourinho, who has the most unbelievable resume resume since, I mean, we're talking, we're putting him in the realm of Alex Ferguson and and people like that. Mm. And maybe he's on the downward. His his methods aren't quite the same anymore. And I I think that's... I mean, Julian Nagelsmann is, is German for Sean McVay. Yeah, right. You know, right, like, right. That's very, yeah, very. I feel true. Like we're saying all the same things about Nagelsmann that we do for for McVeigh. All right. Uh, so yeah, Tottenham's still in it, thanks to Hugo Lloris, who stood on his head to make some saves in this game to to keep it one nil. And who? I mean, I still view that as a toss up. I saw the uh, like the five thirty eight. Mm. It, it was eighty four percent for Leipzig to win. I, I was like, that's a statement. Wow. Huh. Like, I mean, that's basically a sure thing uh, on one nil. Uh, all right. I mean, we have to see how we have to see how they'll do in the Iowa caucus before we can we can go for large percentages like that. Um, can can I drive here a of little course, bit? Of course, of course. Can can we do Borussia Dortmund PSG next? Of course. Uh, what a game! Two one Borussia Dortmund. What an atmosphere! What a performance from the kid from the kids. Really? Yeah. Uh, Erling Haaland. Again, two goals after coming on as a sub. But it was the weight of Gio Reyna's pass for that second one, wasn't it? I mean, it, it was a pretty good pass. He, he, you are right in that. Like he's got to catch him in stride. The, the weight of the pass was such that it allowed Holland the chance to just play the ball right where he needed it to be to do what he did to right. finish it. So, and it was all done at executed at tremendous pace. And I give Reina credit on one thing in particular. So the goal that had just been scored by PSG. It was not Reina's finest moment. It, kinda, no. it seemed like they kind of went at him, and he sure, yeah. Um, and then Dortmund come back and scored that goal basically off of the restart. Right. I mean, it was instantaneous. Like PSG fans were still celebrating the goal, and so like a 17 year old kid playing in his first Champions League game against freaking Neymar and Mbappe and like you know legendary Champions League figures, and he's now at fault for what could be a massive goal in this tie, and then like. This memory that just instantly forgets about it and comes right back and sets up a goal to give them the the win. You know what? It's, it's admirable for a seventeen. I think at seventeen, 
it's very admirable, but I also think that he's more likely to get upset and and to have his mistakes sit with him at 27 than he is at 17. I think everything's happened so quickly from him moving from New York and the last the last 15 months has been a whirlwind that I honestly think he's processing now at a, at a different level. The next ball is what he's thinking about. I have a trivia question for you. Trivia. And the I will give you a hint already before I even ask it. The The answer is not the obvious answer. Okay. Um, youngest American ever to play in the Champions League is now Gio Reyna at 17 years and 97 days. Congrats to him. Do you know who the previous record holder was for this title? Youngest American to perform in a Champions League game? It's not Weah. The and obvious one was Pulisic. He's actually Pulisic, he's yeah. actually third. Ooh, there's one. So so we're talking about maybe in, someone in the nineties. No, later. Oh, Landon Donovan. No. When was he at Leverkusen? I don't know, but it's it's not him. Okay, go on. JJ, it's Gideon Zalalem for Arsenal. Ah, I couldn't believe that when I saw it. I was trying to I was racking my brain trying to remember when did he do that. But he was. Uh, 17 years, th- uh, 317 days. Imagine what we thought of Gideon Zalalem that day. Look at him, our 17-year-old American in a Champions I, League for Arsenal. Remember when he had uh, the good game that he had for Rangers, how we waxed lyrical about him. So we're, uh, we've are we been on that trend for a while. Yeah. Now at New York City FC. So. Uh, Haaland. I mean, let's talk about him. This is this is now gotten into stupid territory. Yeah. Ridiculous. Like, so much fun to watch because now you're going into every game – um, almost like with this this like laughable feeling of oh here he comes to score again oh he did he actually just did it like there's a giddy- incredible there's a giddiness you get the minute he gets it you're like where is he going to put it and you expect the net to rattle and for a 19 year old this is just absolutely absurd can we go back and listen to the winning oh, goal that he p- scored please here he is what almost promised to be a testing fixture Holland oh that's magnificent. Sensational! PSG still celebrating their equalising goal. And suddenly, they're behind again. And yet again, it's all in Holland. The, the sound of the ball hitting the rigging. Um, someone said stanchion. I'm going to pull them up on that. Um, I, I call it the rigging. Because the old school, you know, the old school hooped stanchion mm-hmm. that had a noise when when the net would hit uh, when the ball would hit that. Uh, this is uh, this is something beautiful. What's that thing we talk about where uh, it's the ASMR, which gives you kind of elicits feelings? Should I like do it right now? Sometimes when when people whisper quietly, <laughs> I mean, God. I'm sure everyone is now recoiling in horror. <laughs> in just horror. That, half Some, a second, someone's just vomited all over the steering wheel in their car listening to that. <laughs> yeah. um, but but the point is that it uh, you could isolate, and we have isolated that that noise somewhat, and uh, it's beautiful. Holland, Holland, just at the end, that the it's got to be like the swoosh. When a when a when a basketball is hit for a three pointer and it doesn't touch the rim and it just goes, yeah, it's, yeah. Sometimes you even get it where it kind of like nicks like the back rim and it makes like this weird tinny sound. It's yeah, it's, it's beautiful. Very, it's very ASMR. Yes, indeed. Uh, you were yeah. This this is so much fun. Uh, not even as somebody who's necessarily a fan of Borussia Dortmund, I don't dislike them, but like this is a jo- this is really. I feel like we're all kind of watching history right, right. now. Right, like this is an incredible thing. That's happening. The interesting thing about about Holland, I remember his father playing. And what do we say about Jordi Cruyff? Well, he's not as good as Johan. You're always what's Casper? 
He's good, but he's not as good as Peter. Mm. I I do not remember Erling's father, Alfie, doing any of those things. And he played at the highest level. He played for, you know, Manchester City, Leeds United in the Premier League. Mm. But this kid is... The pace, the speed, the touch. He's closer to what I remember of young Ronaldo the first than he is anybody else. Remember I was saying maybe maybe he's a bit like uh Van Nistelrooy. He's quicker than Van, he, he's quicker than him. JJ, there's this stat going around about how quickly he ran sixty meters. And and there's this like hilarious video of him like <laughs> yes. running against Usain Bolt and like Forrest like, Gompun. But like apparently if at the speed that he reached uh running sixty meters in this game, like he would have placed in like the final of the indoor track and field world championships. Like yeah. I mean it, it's I don't know who I right now you say Ronaldo the the first I, I don't know a yet. A little who, bit, but even he had a, he had a like, longer here's the thing about Ronaldo the first, he had a bit of a longer run in. Talking about like he's like some royalty. Yeah, um we forget that Ronaldo the first. We forget that Ronaldo um was at the ninety four World Cup in the squad mm-hmm. of Brazil. And so he had kind of a longer run in. He was good at PSV for a little bit and then he exploded kind of uh, towards the end of his time there and then in Barcelona. Whereas this kid has literally come on the scene Salzburg just torched the Austrian league and the next thing he makes his transfer and there's no settling in period the torching continues yeah it's like he's been at Dortmund as long like for three or four years yeah um yeah it's funny one one quote I saw from Lars Ricken uh, that was going around him saying at at Dortmund we don't buy superstars we make them mm. but like Taylor Twelman was on it he's like dude you just bought Holland yeah. a week ago. Like, and, what are you and the picture about? had Reina as well. Reina yeah. was taken from New York. No, it's, it's, yeah, you know, it's I, I, but, not, but Lars should know. Lars was a student when he scored in the Champions League final. He was an engineering student, Lars Ricken. And with his first touch, he whips one over, um, you'll forgive me, I can't forget that, but uh, Peruzzi, the um, Juventus goalkeeper, in a final. Mm-hmm. He actually can claim to be born. And created by Borussia Dortmund, but you know, Haaland can't. No, Haaland is a free market capitalist. Right, <laughs> you're right. But I, I do understand his point in that here are Borussia Dortmund in a huge moment of the Champions League against uh, a team that, on paper, you might say is, is better pound for pound than what Dortmund is, and yet it's a 17 year old American passing the ball to a 19 year old Norwegian to get them the winning goal. In the first leg, like that—that that is the sign to me. Uh, I give the coaching staff credit uh, for being willing to like have those guys on the field in a big moment. Like that—that that is the truest sign of why we love sports, which is that it, it's a meritocracy. So if a 17-year-old and a 19-year-old are the guys who are performing for you in training, like be damned who else you have on your roster. We're going to play those two guys, and and they're being rewarded for it. They've also got Jaden Sancho on their roster, who is now doing something that I don't know how to categorize him as a player because he has an unbelievable amount of goals plus an unbelievable amount of assists. Like, Jaden Sancho is not going to leave that club for less than $100 million. No, and, def- you know, Oh, absolutely. And $100 million seems like... Of steel. A steal, <laughs> in a way. Um, you asked a brilliant question. So here we are, yeah, Holland is, is taking the world by storm, and I'm just asking you, essentially, can you think of other examples of someone from any sport who kind of burst on the scene in this way? 
So I've got three. All right. None of them are perfect, but here we go. We'll start with, with soccer itself, and it's from what I remember. Um, at 17, about to turn 18, in his first full season at Liverpool, Michael Owen scored 23 goals in all competitions, then went to a World Cup that summer in France, scoring a wonder goal versus Argentina in the round of 16. That's a great pull by you. LeBron James, rookie season. 41 points against the Nets, became the youngest player in league history to score 40 in a game, joined Michael Jordan as one of only three rookies in league history to average 20 points, five assists, and five rebounds per game. All right? And the final one, and again, these are all just ones that sprang into my mind. I'm sure the listeners have other ones mm-hmm. out there. Uh, rugby, Jonah Lomu. He became the youngest New Zealand All Black debutant, age 19, in 1994. Uh, the following year, he scored four tries, which is phenomenal, and ran all over England. And if you watch the highlights, he literally ran over people in a Rugby World Cup semi-final. I think all those are pretty good examples of what we're talking about. So the only um, thing for me that I would say is, I feel like this guy... Now, look, I can't speak to the rugby player that you just mentioned there. I, the, props to you. That's beyond my purview. Um, but the thing with Holland that's different is, like, just how much was he on everyone's radar nine months ago? Like, he's playing in Austria. Okay, he had a soccer player father, but, like, not a was big... he being talked about, like, in the summer transfer window among anybody as, like, a big money buy that Salzburg, no. just, that they just weren't right? So, like, LeBron, the world was ready. Right. You know? Um like this is just so interesting to me because I just feel like this happened. Like we woke up one morning and all of a sudden there was like a new Lewandowski, uh, and, and it's just incredible. I, I sometimes think about Dontrell Willis, who was a pitcher for the Florida Marlins, and in 2003 he just like appeared in the big leagues and he was unbelievable. And he had this like kind of like wild style on the mound, and yeah. like he was he was amazing. Now he flamed out. It didn't last long, as it sometimes is the case for pitchers. But I feel like. I don't know. I, I feel like every time he pitched, it was kind of like, oh, Willis is pitching tonight. I must, gotta watch. Must view television. Yeah, it's like Holland comes in as a sub in the 70th minute. You stop what you're doing, and now you got to watch what happens. I, I think the what he's crammed into such as as you said in, into such a few months, a few short months is just what probably catapults him above the three guys I've mentioned, like even Michael Owen. Owen's a good. I think that's not a bad call. But yeah, he. I mean, it was pretty much his debut season that he did all that. Yeah. Um, although he had played a game, he played maybe two games at the end of the of the of the ninety six ninety seven season. But still, I guess people were talking about Owen because he was at the you know the center of excellence at Lillishall. Um He had broken all sorts of records in in terms of youth goal scoring. Mm. But the trajectory between his debut game for Liverpool and then being at a World Cup in such a short period of time, like literally months, inside a calendar year was unbelievable. And I think that's probably the same. That's the most like maybe, compar- that's the most comparable to Haaland. What about like college version Steph Curry? Hmm. Professional NBA dad who was fine, similar to Holland, and like playing at a school at Davidson, maybe like mid-major comparable to Salzburg. And just like you turned on the TV one day in the tournament, it's like, uh, who is this person hitting threes from everywhere on the court? And now he's a legit superstar, one of the best ever. Uh, I feel like maybe that one works. Yeah. Um, and then there's the other side of this, which we have to talk about in PSG. Well, I suppose they have their away goal, mm-hmm. which is important. 
but they won't have Verratti, who's suspended. Right. Um, they've also Neymar now saying something like this. Um, I understand the fear that the club was suffering from because in the last two years I was not able to play in the round of 16. I respect the decision, but it cannot be like this because the player ends up suffering. It was very difficult to play a match like this, intense, 90 minutes without stopping. It is different. Had I been in better shape, I would have certainly have played better. So he's basically saying he was fit to play from four games ago. Right. And that he wanted those games in the run into this game, and that's explaining why he wasn't quite at it. Um, d- did he need to say this? I'm not sure that he did. I suppose he needs to defend his performance somewhat. Um, but they're in, I won't say they're in trouble, because they did create chances. They, they did score that away goal. Verratti is a huge miss. He makes everything tick in the midfield for them. This is such. This is going to be. They can't go out again in this round. They, yeah, they, but, this cannot happen. Can you? Again. Yeah, but do they? Can you see them not conceding in Paris? No, but I could see them scoring three. Could you? It's not a crazy thought for me. Uh, yeah, three, I don't know. If they win three one. I don't know that that would shock. I know me. it's it's you know you could use the term finely poised and that you know brush have the slight advantage, but ooh, I I really can't call it. I can't. It, I, Maybe maybe Verratti will be the difference, not having him in the center of the what park. Is it? It's three years, three straight years they've gone out in the round of sixteen. Uh, I mean, this, the, I'm sorry, like this is not, this is not why they have poured all this money into this experiment. Like round, you got to get to the semis at least, maybe, and even then, with all the money that they've put into this, I don't think people would let them up. I think this is a title or bust team, and the fact that they can't get past this round. Um, and look, Borussia Dortmund are good, but that is not like Borussia Dortmund is not the level of competition that PSG were worried about when they compiled this squad. And you know, it's funny too because, I, and I'm by no means am I saying that this is over. I, I still no, I it's give, not. Yeah, to me, it's fifty fifty. Maybe even I tilted slightly towards PSG. Um, but like to me, it it kind of felt like they had come to their senses a little bit when they go out and make a signing like Adrisa Gay. I'm like, okay, that's not like a flash move, but it's the exact kind of move that you would make when you're serious about, you know, we're not just trying to put butts in seats, you're trying to win. You're building a site. Right. And so like they start doing stuff like that and it feels like they're they're trying to now do it the right way. Um, and yet here they are on these nights and any given night anything can happen, especially against a good team. And it, now they're up against it again. It's worth noting as well today the breaking news. Uh, Rob Harris tweeted this out. Um, from Switzerland's Attorney General, Nasser Al-Khalefi, Chairman of BN and Paris Saint-Germain President, indicted over the award of FIFA World Cup rights. Ex-FIFA Secretary General Jerome Valke also indicted. So this has been a... I said last Friday that I thought people at PSG would be nervous in the wake of what happened to Man City. I don't know if this is the exact it's, form that I thought it was going to no, take. No, this but, is this is something d- different, but... Um, yeah, so there they are, under the microscope yet again, on and off the field. Yep, uh, let's see. Atletico Madrid and Liverpool. It's 1-0 mm. as Liverpool return to the site of their triumph from back last, what was it, last late May? May. Um, but this time it goes to their opponent, Madrid, take the first leg, 1-0. Um, I don't know, Liverpool, I feel like sometimes when you win a lot, 
uh, like they have. They're not used to the feeling of being on the other side. And sometimes you see that in <laughs> post-match comments of guys who yeah. just like – I feel like – here's the quote from Jurgen Klopp uh, after the game because he took Sadio Mane off at halftime, which uh, at this stage in the Champions League, I'll be honest, like you assume, uh-oh, Mane must be hurt. And then you find out, no, he's not. And then Klopp explains why he was afraid that Atletico Madrid were going to do everything in their power to get him sent off or get him uh, carded. Um, Klopp said, it's part of football. I don't like it. The plan was to get Sadio out of the game with a yellow card. I was afraid that his opponent would go down if Sadio, if Sadio only took a breath. After 30 minutes, three Atletico players were on the ground, not even injured. Um, and then this was players kind of taking their cue from Klopp. It was echoed in the dressing room. Andy Robertson, uh, having said that the home side, quote, started falling all over and getting under the skin a bit after Saul's fourth-minute goal. Uh, Virgil van Dijk said, that is the way they play. That is Spanish football. Liverpool not happy with some of the antics of Atletico Madrid. I would say to them, I understand that. I'm sure it's outrageously frustrating to play against that style. I would also say, what did you expect? Yeah, first of all, before... I deal with the, the complaints, which I think English teams traditionally traveling abroad to play teams that uh, operate in, in that way in a cauldron atmosphere like it was at the Wanda um, with, with a team that scored early and was ready to kind of be compact and defensive. These complaints, I've heard them before down the years. So yeah. I thought it was actually a classic away tie in a European game. A big side the reigning champions come into town and here is a manager setting a trap for them, ready with a plan and a way of playing. I thought he was brilliantly organised defensively. I thought Savage had an unbelievable game, Lodi too. Um, and and, and, and Versaco as well. Uh, they were extremely compact. They suffocated Liverpool down the centre. Like, how many times did you hear Roberto Firmino's name where he was getting on the ball or trying to create anything. They they completely compacted the inside. They let, for the most part, they let Trent Alexander-Arnold and Robertson have the ball to a certain point. And when they tried to put in deliveries, there was people perfectly placed to clear them. Uh, Liverpool didn't get managed a shot on target in the entire game. Although I will say that we're probably looking at this tie in a different light. Had Mohamed Salah scored his header, brilliant ball by Gomez. He's got to score there. If he heads that back in the direction in which the ball's come from, that's nestling in the bottom corner past Oblak. Um, I, I, I honestly think that the early goal really was perfect for Atleti in the sense that, right, we've got this, this thing to defend and nobody knows how to do it better than us. Mm. And they were just set up brilliantly. Um, they played quite well on the counter. It was a good save um, I mean, it was a it was a Liverpool error. It was an uncharacteristic error from VVD that put uh, Morata in, and it was a good save from Allison. But this is a tie that's perfectly balanced, perfectly fine tuned. Um, some Liverpool fans are upset about the referee. Did I think he was great? No. Did I expect anything different from Atleti? I honestly didn't. Um, and it's perfectly set up for one of those big nights at Anfield that we talk about. And typically, the second leg is at Anfield. And even Klopp said it with a smile on his face. They have to come to Anfield. Yeah, he seemed also a little bit put off by how much they were celebrating after this game. Atletico. Well, they've had a an up-and-down season. 
and a season in which there's been a lot of talk, even in recent weeks, of the end of an era for Simeone. Will he move on? Is it time to move on? Are the is much like Pochettino at the end of last season? Well, not much like, but similar scenario. Is it time for a new voice? Mm. And it was a it was something that recalled a better time for Atleti. And they they look. Did you see him the way he was stirring up the crowd? Mm. Like it was his energy, his. His craziness on the sideline transferred to his players on the field and subsequently to the fans in the stand. It was... Yeah, I, I don't I, know what else to say about I, this one. No, I, agree. I I don't know why people were so exercised by it. It really does feel like, in the classic sense, of a halftime in a European tie. This is how I remember most European ties growing up. Yeah, I sort of wonder now if Liverpool are... Like, this is part of like their adjustment into being, like, the top dog of Europe. Being the target, yeah. Yeah, like... This is how guy. This is how teams are going to play you. You're not losing games ever. So if Atletico or anybody can get an early goal like this, like yeah, get ready for a game that we're, that they're just going to try to frustrate the hell if out of Atleti you. If Atleti attempted to play us on their own terms, they would have been beaten soundly. They didn't. They played it the way they would. Why? Why would they? Oh, uh, I, I, the, I, rain, I, the reigning European champions are town. Let's play. Uh, let's play different. By the way, the Atleti fans before the game they put on their own light show. So it's going to be interesting to see the Liverpool fans respond in kind. You mean when the bus pulled up? Oh, yeah. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. Um, so do you think... It seems like you are actually I don't think confident. One, I don't think 1-0 is enough. I think they're going to have to go to Anfield and score. Can they do that on the break? Are they capable? I would say they are. But I think Liverpool will go through. I think Liverpool will win 2-0 at Anfield. Uh, one more here. I feel bad kind of giving this short shrift. Atalanta and Valencia at the San Siro. <laughs> it was such a fun game. I felt like... So I had the... Um, this was the this yeah this is on simultaneously with the Tottenham, uh, which is game really on unfortunate that they've done it this way. But I just felt like I, I had the on two screens next to one another. Obviously, my primary viewing was Tottenham, but I just felt like every time I looked over, Atalanta were scoring. And remember where this team came from in that like they were dead and buried after the first three four matches of the group stage. Um, and They're now, the only team to go through after losing their opening three games. It's incredible. Now, I would say this to Atalanta fans um, who are like all ready to book their tickets for the quarterfinals. Um, weirdly, only three of the previous five teams that won the first leg of a Champions League knockout round by the score of 4-1 at home went on to advance. That is bizarre. And if you look at how many chances Valencia had, it could have been at full-time 4-3. Yeah. And then, how are you looking at it? Dennis Cheryshev should have scored. Valencia were he, he much score. better in the second half. Yeah, and they created a lot of champion uh, chances. Uh, Gasparini's style is that At- Atlanta are actually... Bergamo is a very Italian place. It's in Italy, JJ. That's pretty obvious. But it seems like a really Italian place. A traditionally Italian place. But this team do not defend like a traditional Italian team. Like when... When Illich scores the second goal, uh, that where he just blasted into the top corner, mm-hmm. right? An Italian team would sit back in, <laughs> sit deep, and just defend. But they keep going and going and going. They play between the lines. They find passes in between the lines, and um, and that leaves them open. And Valencia had a lot of chances. There's no question. And so. It's crazy to say it, but at four-one, that time is not over. No, it, recent history has told us that, it's not. I mean, it could be that could be that could be one of the best games, uh, or I say one of the best. It could produce the most amount of goals 
of the second legs at the Mestalla. Well, you just know those games are so fun because like it's just going to be so open. And it's kind of playing with house money for Atalanta right now. Uh, I mean, well, not anymore. Not anymore. Not when you're up 4-1 yeah, going no, in the second you're leg. Right, you're right. That's fair. They want to be in a quarterfinal. What a run they're on. Yeah. And uh, again, this was tweeted regularly, but uh, I should. It's, it's worth noting that they have the budget of Reading. Oh, my God. Who are 15th in the championship. <laughs> Which That's incredible. Makes you worry about championship wages and salaries. Yeah. I'll tell you what, it's basically that's basically the budget of this show because of things like this. JJ, I want to tell you right now that hiring is challenging, but there's one place that you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart, and growing businesses connect to qualified candidates. Codable co-founder Gretchen Hebner experienced how challenging hiring can be after unsuccessfully searching for a new game artist to grow with her education tech company. But then she switched to ZipRecruiter and saw an immediate difference, and you can too by signing up for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash offside. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds candidates for you. And by using ZipRecruiter's screening questions to filter candidates, Gretchen found it easier to focus on the best ones. Then find the right one. In fact, after posting her job on ZipRecruiter, Gretchen said she was honestly surprised that she found qualified applicants so quickly and she hired a new game artist in less than two weeks. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash offside. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash offside. O-F-F-S-I-D-E. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. And JJ, I should say, somebody uh, tweeted us, um, I guess, that they had used ZipRecruiter and like as if... As if, like, they thought we didn't believe that it was a good product. They were like, we need to let you know while you've been doing these reads that it's actually awesome. I, I wish I had the tweet in front of me right now. So do um, I, because we definitely need more ZipRecruiter-based content. <laughs> you don't understand how any of this works, What's you? after the break? After the break, it's one of our favorite times of year when JJ gets to sing about the other Champions League, the CONCACAF Champions League. If you're excited about that, then don't go anywhere because it's coming up next. Bye-bye, Savage, and the chance leads in, and Saul Niguez has given Atletico the early lead. Corner that Liverpool didn't begin to deal with, and it was a present for Saul. That was Saul's goal, the winning goal in the first leg for Atletico Madrid against Liverpool, to the tune of Better, Better Call Saul's theme song. Which, uh, season four, out on Netflix right now. Nice. Uh, season five, I think, should be coming out soon on uh, AMC. It felt like the right kind of goal. Not to say that Atletico Madrid, with the talent on that team, are capable of scoring great, beautiful yeah. goals, but like it just hits it, Fabinho. It's just like a gritty, defensive-minded game. It just like this kind of like off a corner, kind of like scramble in front. Saul first to it. Props to him, and then just gets it past the keeper just felt like the right kind of goal in like that kind of game and he's the kind of guy that scores for them how many times does he come up clutch yeah great player uh, alright JJ it's your time to shine alright I need the music oh <clears throat> here we go best teams well not really Wait, who are these teams? 
from Honduras, Nicaragua, the Dominican Republic, the champions of CONCACAF. <laughs> I'll tell you what, it's... Of all the things that happen on this show, it shouldn't be good. And People shouldn't enjoy that. Well, it, and it's by far the most arrogant. <laughs> well, zap me then. Oh, you're entitled yeah, to zap I mean, me. How? Yeah, you're. Ah. Like, you should mention. Like, why doesn't? Why don't you mention MLS from from the United States? Because I say and because Canada. I, because I go the champions, and then I have to go, but not really, because uh, LAFC didn't win last season, and uh, neither did. You know, it's it's so condescending. Montreal are in the Champions League. Yeah, they are not champions. Well, hey, uh, Tottenham are in the Champions League. What are they champions of? All I hear is how they never win trophies. Uh, all right, Concacaf Champions League. So here, first legs, round of sixteen. Um, I don't have a ton to say about this, except that I think it's like obviously we're coming at this from the MLS perspective. Uh, and it was a largely disappointing Again, set of first legs. We're used to it. Um, yes, and I, and that's kind of what I wanted to ask you about because specifically after um, the first night uh, where Atlanta United FC drew their game against FC Motagua and LAFC lost to Leon, and even though Atlanta United drew, uh, both games were were felt like well more so LAFC. Like it was one sided. Yeah, and we look at LAFC even though they weren't the champions of MLS, I think a lot of people do look at them as being the best team in this league. Uh, and for them to go into that game and look the way that they did, you know, it it raises eyebrows. Uh, and so people start throwing their theories out there. And I'm just trying to, I want to gauge your opinion as to whether or not this is whining or if there's validity to the idea of what people are saying, that these games are high intensity. Mm. Uh, whatever you think of this tournament, it's a tournament where these teams participating want to win badly. And it's essentially occurring in MLS's preseason. Yeah. And is that fair to MLS teams? Well, John Hamill in uh, Nash Vegas. Actually, that was uh, part of the mailbag, but that's gone now. Thanks, Andrew, for asking the pertinent questions. Look, it definitely has something to do with it. Um, from the Certainly from the second half, I mean, they weren't good in the first half, but LAFC even looked more tired in the second half. They're passing, which... We, we would say they would be considered one of the better MLS passing teams. It wasn't there at all. Um, they couldn't keep the ball. And every time that uh, Meneses got it on the left-hand side for Lyon, they looked like they'd score. Mm. The the defence as well, Andrew. So that's a, a defence that's been shorn of one of its mainstays in uh, Walker Zimmerman. And they were at adrift for the goal. Uh, there looked to be significant rust. But I would say that in, it's certainly in the case of Lyon versus LAFC, it was evidence that Liga Mekis is still a rung or two above MLS. Well, let's wait for the second leg. Okay. I, and look, even if LAFC comes back and wins, you can still say what you just said and not necessarily be wrong. Yeah. But I, I don't think it's totally fair. Like, LAFC, they get a home game here. Like, let's wait right. and see well, what I, I thought Lyon put patterns of play together in a way that LAFC couldn't. That and second goal was a gut punch. Yeah, it definitely it was. It felt like they were going to see it out down just a goal heading back home. I think I think also, can I just talk about Atlanta against the Honduran side, um, Montuguia? Um, Atlanta's poor showing is less 
Okay, it's excusable on one hand. They had to play. They had to switch around defenders. There was fullbacks who are naturally fullbacks playing at centre back because they had some injuries. But if you look up the team, you had Laurentowitz, Emerson, Heinemann, and then you had like a really potent front line. And the fact that they only scored one goal is is not good. Um, Can I say something real quick? A, a little bit about that. I was going to save this more for when we do our real MLS preview coming up. Okay, but. If we're talking about Atlanta and we're talking about like that part of them, um, I think I think they are like underratedly going to miss Julian Gressel. I I totally agree in terms of playmaking, in terms of the goals and uh, he brings to the team. I I could not agree more. Yeah. and I, I I thought it was strange. I know there was issues where it would open up cap space and all those things that we don't fully understand. Um, but he's a miss. And I think he'll continue to be a miss. Um, can I just say one thing? Yeah. In fairness to the to um, to the Honduran team that they played, their their centre forward is a Honduran international, and on the bench, coming off the bench, they had um, Emiliano Izaguirre, who is a former Celtic player who's played at the highest level with Celtic mm-hmm. in Europe. These aren't scrubs; they just aren't. And because we aren't familiar with all the names or the league they come, that's what we have to give ourselves, right? So it's part of that. It's a whole mix of answers. I don't think I've really given any um, proper answer. I will say this, though. Um, You have to take each game and analyse it on its merits. It's not great to make the sweeping judgments, but say Saprissa and Montreal last night. um, Impact were 2-0 up after 22 minutes, and uh, Johan Venegas, who we would be familiar with from the Costa Rican national team, um, and Ariel Rodriguez in the 80th and the 90th minute equalised. That game seems incredibly one-sided, considering Montreal were 2-0 up. Um, Saprissa had 22 shots, 11 on target, to um, Montreal 7-3. They had 72% of possession and uh, had twice as many passes as um, Mon- completed passes as Montreal had. So that's actually probably a good result for Montreal. Yeah. You're right. Two, uh, two away goals. Before we fully judge MLS performances, we should remind you that tonight, uh, NYC FC are facing San Carlos and Seattle Sounders FC are facing Olympia. Um, so, more MLS action to come uh, in the CONCACAF Champions League. Uh, let's see, JJ, you have anything else on that? Not really. We'll probably Not have really. more once those first leg, once the second legs go down as sure. well, and we have a better sense of it all. Um, what to watch for? Quickly here, Saturday, 7.30 a.m., huge game this weekend, Chelsea and Spurs. Uh, We talked about Tottenham before. We didn't talk much about um, their game against Aston Villa last weekend, which was, uh, look, I don't care who it was against. I don't care what it looks like. When Suns scored that winning goal, it is the craziest that I've gone so far this season watching because it just felt like they needed it so badly, especially on the heels of the Manchester City news where you feel like, you know, Champions League places may now be within your grasp that you may not have felt that way beforehand. Uh, and then you come to find out that Son, within minutes of the start of that game, broke his arm and played through it. You saw him going off at halftime, clearly hurt. I couldn't believe when he came back out to start the second half. Um, and the break is so bad, he's out for the for the duration of the season. He might miss the rest of the year. Yeah, it's a, it was a brutal brutal blow for them at a position where they just couldn't afford to have it happen Um, and this is a huge game now it's at Chelsea so Mourinho I'm sure will be hearing it from those fans Uh, Chelsea who have really have been poor for an extended period of time now um, 
and also uh, suffered the the VAR game, which was. I'm glad that they, there's enough distance between now and then, so we don't have to go into the full Maguire groin kicking thing. Like at first, I saw when I saw it, I thought, ah, he's just flailing out because he's on his back like a large beetle. <laughs> the legs were going. <laughs> But he's kicked him, and he—I sh- mean, I don't see how VAR does not give him a red card. It's there. such a red card. I don't understand it. I, I, at first, I—at I, first, I was giving them the benefit of the doubt, uh, and then you see the replays, and you're like, "What are they watching that that we're not seeing?" I don't get that- it. I don't get it. I don't get it. It's anyway. it was truly frustrating. Yeah. So, so Chelsea, I guess, will have a point to—well, not a point to prove. They'll—they'll. They'll, Want look be looking to bounce back from that. Um, it's it, United played okay, but um, I thought Bruno Fernandez played well for them. I thought it was a good header from Martial, but a draw would have probably been a fair result. Tottenham right now are one point back of Chelsea. Uh, Chelsea sit fourth. Spurs are fifth. Tottenham themselves just one point ahead of Sheffield United. There is a real logjam there, like we talked about last week, between uh, fourth through ninth. So, yeah, that's a big one. Maybe your biggest of the weekend. Saturday, 12.30, another good one. Leicester City and Manchester City, second versus third. Manchester City with that makeup game against West Ham uh, yesterday on Wednesday. 2-0 victory, pretty much as you would ex- – well, I say as you would expect. Comfortable. Yeah, it was comfortable. You probably would have expected more, uh, really, with the form that West Ham are in, maybe the – But at least it gets easier for West Ham because they have Liverpool at the weekend. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, yes. Or on Monday. Sunday, um, another good one. Arsenal and Everton. Uh, that's at 11.30 a.m. This is We're coming back with a, with a vengeance after this winter break here. Um, yeah, ninth versus 10th in that one. As quietly, Arsenal now, 34 points. Um, with the fogginess of what we've been talking about with Manchester City's legal situation, even they coming off of a, a 4-0 victory over Newcastle maybe they start to think look maybe like we've now had some time to adjust to Arteta's new system yeah um, so like all of a sudden they win this game and Everton who were, were heaping praise on a week ago now Arsenal passed them so we, and, you know one game at a time they slowly begin to work their way back into it I think this would be a good measure of, of Ancelotti's uh, I won't say revolution but of where his side are at right now um, because Arsenal that was a good win against Newcastle. Yeah. I mean... A great second half. Great second half. Um, interesting. For a team that don't typically finish games well. So, it, look, I would say that that's, that was encouraging for them, no doubt. And then the game that you mentioned, Monday, 3 o'clock, Liverpool and West Ham. I fear for the Hammers. Our friend uh, Dave Walker from Sex, Drugs and Carlton Cole and all the West Ham Way podcasts, yeah. he tweeted that they think he thinks they should sack Moyes right now and get Allardyce to take them through to the end of the season. He thinks uh, Moyes will not keep them up. I think fixtures won't keep them up. What do you mean? I think the, f- the run-in now to the end of the season is too difficult. <laughs> Ultimately, uh, I don't see them picking up enough points. Uh, West Ham going down would be... They're 18th right now. Boy, Tottenham did them a favor beating Villa the way that they did. That's still uh, yeah. neck and neck between those two for 17th and 18th. Yeah, it's going to be a, a fight to the finish. Not a pretty one. Um, 
Yeah, I, I want to say that's not fair to David Moyes, but desperate times call for desperate measures, and it's not about what's fair right now. It's about if you believe Alan well, Moyes, this gives is, you a better chance in this situation, then just do it. it well, this is one West Ham fan's opinion. So. Yeah. No, but I'm just saying I don't yeah. think it's actually crazy. No. Uh, let's see. We'll have a, a mailbag in, in mere moments, but I want to tell you. What? Look, you don't understand what's going on here, okay? This is this is a revol- a podcast revolution that is occurring, JJ. Uh, you've heard us talking about hymns and how they're helping guys look their best, like me with my haircut today. <laughs> well, if you haven't yet, it's time to see what they're all about. Here's the problem. 66% of men start to lose their hair by age 35, and once you've noticed thinning hair like yours, it can be too late. <laughs> the best way to prevent more hair loss is to do something about it while you still have time. It's time to grab the new year by the follicles, and here's to a year of personal growth. By the way, I mean, no offense to hymns, it's February 20th. I mean, not to steal a joke from Larry David, but like, when are we done with Happy New Year's? If, if I meet someone that I haven't seen since since before Christmas, can I not say Happy New Year no anymore? No way! All right. What are you, crazy? That is the sign of a crazy person. Uh, 4 is your solution. It's a one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, and other wellness supplements for men. It's time to write a new chapter, one in which you have hair. Thanks to science, baldness can be optional. Hims is helping guys be the best version of themselves with licensed physicians and FDA-approved products to help treat hair loss. No snake oil pills or gas station counter supplements. Hims was created by a guy who knows some men's health conversations are easier online than in person. So there's no more awkward in-person doctor visits or long pharmacy lines. 4 connects you to real doctors online, which could save you hours. Completely confidential, totally discreet. Just answer a few quick questions, and a doctor will review. They'll determine what's right for you. They'll prescribe you medication, treat your hair loss, and it's all shipped directly to your door. So here's the dealia, Celia. Dive oh into my. 2020 hair first. Right now... Our listeners can get started with their first month free. Go to 4hymns.com slash offside. That's 4hymns.com slash offside. Prescription requires an online consultation with a physician who will determine if a prescription is appropriate. Offer valid only if prescribed three-month minimum subscription. Additional restrictions apply. See website for full details and important safety information. Remember, that's 4hymns.com slash offside. I didn't even ask you, do you have a mailbag? I have a mailbag. Oh. Can I, before we start the mailbag, can I just thank our fans, our listeners? Yeah, of course. They're amazing. They're just the best. They listen in large numbers. And listen, guys, leave a review uh, on iTunes. Be kind, or at least attempt to be kind. <laughs> Follow us on Instagram, Caught Offside ESPN, at CO Soccer Pod on Twitter, and Caught Offside pod at gmail.com if you want to get into the mailbag but i love that you tell people to be kind because i've seen your behavior on twitter and other other listeners have seen it as yeah, well i know and i gotta be better it's shocking at times yeah. the way you treat people because you're so you're so your fuse is so short yeah people say things i think oh that's a benign con-. and jj screaming at them <laughs> i'm not really screaming i do come across way more snarky than i actually mean in my replies that is definitely true because then i read it back and i'm like oh it's not nice this is maybe I, how the world sees you. Maybe this is God's way of telling you. Uh, we're going to start off with um, <laughs> Alex Jones in, what? Col- in Colorado. Different Alex Jones. Well, the mainstream media isn't going to tell you about this. It's a red flag. False flag operation here in the mailbag. No, not that Alex Jones. Some sort of deep state. Uh, deep state. Uh, okay, a deep state problem uh, going way back to the Gulf of Tonkin. <laughs> 
Uh, no, not that Alex Jones, thank Christ. Uh, fellas, I was homesick with the flu today and was watching the Spurs v Leipzig game. Any, any idea as to why some of the Leipzig players' kits had an all-white Red Bull logo while the rest had the regular coloured in logo on the front of their shirts? Twitter is just as confused as I am. Well, Alex, um, basically what we're hearing is that part of the consignment of jerseys for the game was lost. So they had to mix and match what they had of the other kit. Are you serious? Yeah. This is amazing. I actually hadn't heard that. Well, it's just the difference between the one Red Bull sponsor is in white and the other Red Bull sponsor is in color. So Julian Nagelsmann actually addressed this, Mm. apparently. Uh, Here's what he said. He said, on the way from the hotel, the kit wasn't complete in the different boxes. Uh, It wasn't on the bus, and that's why there was a bit of a mix-up. It will certainly be sorted out for the second leg. We'll have the right kit. So they mixed and matched between the colored kit and the and the white kit. All right. Huh. <laughs> That's odd. I actually didn't even notice that when I was watching. I remember Chelsea turned up at Coventry without their away kit. Because oh. Coventry played in Sky Blue. Yeah. So they played in Coventry's away kit at Coventry. <laughs> I remember Gianfranco Zola in this massive jersey, which was surely meant for Dion Dublin. And uh, yeah, looked a bit weird. Huh. Uh, Nathan Latrell. Uh, you guys turned me on to the Rewatchables podcast. Cheers for that. Now well, I have I'm glad some- we're doing the ringers job for yeah, them, like yeah. a direct ESPN competitor. Yeah, we're, we're doing but, this, this small mom and pop organization a favor. I'm not going to lie. I've been obsessed with it. I can't stop listening to it. Wow. It's phenomenal. I learned today actually in The Hangover that uh, Paul Rudd was actually the first choice to play Bradley Cooper's role and Jack Black was the first choice to play Zach Galifianakis. Oh, role. I can see both of that. But I think it's right. Like I, I really think... we. We got it right. Galifianakis is, would be a better option. He plays it perfectly. I think Jack Black would dominate too much. That's a great... Yes, that's exactly what they said too. I am a film savant. <laughs> uh, now I have something to listen to while waiting for a new pod from you to drop. And the, the weights are often... Well, you just never know. We are obligated to say ESPN has a bevy of other quality content. Absolutely. And you should definitely uh, get the ESPN app and download all of that, yeah. including ESPN+, Plus, which is something you should all have. There we go. I always appreciate your spin-off pods of Andrew and JJ movie reviews. Well, I think we do that within the podcast. It's not the entire podcast, but I really love The Damned United, the film about uh, Brian Clough and uh, Leeds United. Wondering what your opinions of the film are. I think it's really good. Michael Sheen plays Brian Clough. And as we know, what do we know about Michael Sheen? His ability to recreate Brian Clough's voice. as He's just a brilliant mimic. Um, we should play our Brian Clough drop. Yeah, this is Brian Clough just at, being at, Brian Clough. At training, yeah. yeah. What is crap? What bloody rubbish? Rubbish! And uh, my favourite my favorite piece is where, um, in the Damn United, where Michael Sheen as Brian Clough just arrives at Leeds and he goes, Now then, you can throw all your pots and pans and all your medals into the bloody rubbish bin because they don't mean a thing because you achieve them all through cheating. <laughs> Which is apparently what he did say. And Sheen nails it. Now, that book, the one thing I would say about the truth of that book, Nathan, is that um, John Giles and a number of the Leeds players who were at the club at the time, they didn't sue over the movie, but they sued the author of The Damned United about the factuality of things they said or did in the novel. Huh. Yeah. Well, that's discouraging. Well... I think Giles always feels that the players weren't 
as much in mutiny against Clough as people say. Okay. I think that's part of it. Gotcha. Um, what's your favorite sports movie? Oh, man. All right. I, look, people will think this is cheesy, but I just love Hoosiers. I think it's great. Um, if I said I really loved um, A League of Their Own. Nothing wrong with that. Classic uh, movie. And I also love Any Given Sunday. All right. I love it. <laughs> uh, Miracle I would throw in there. I think it's a great movie. Uh, Major League. I mean, w- maybe the greatest sports comedy of all time. Right. Uh, there's not then, a lot of good soccer ones. Uh, no, there's not. There's not. But you do like goal one. Uh, yeah, I think it's great. Goal two is terrible, and goal three is a tragedy. <laughs> it's horrifying that it was allowed to be made. I try to pretend that it doesn't exist. Um and then boxing movies tend like boxing stories tend to lend themselves to being yeah, great. The boxer movies. is good. I think the most underrated boxing movie that I've ever seen is Cinderella Man with Russell Crowe. I think it's phenomenal, and it's up there for me with my favorite top five sports. Underrated, but nominated for Oscars. So. Cinderella Man. It was up for. Oh yeah, I was think it? So. Oh, or was it? Okay. Ooh, I'd need to look into that now. All right. um, you might be right. I don't know. Here's one for you. What? Uh, I dug this one out before Christmas because I never read it out. The Reverend C.J. Meters, rector, St. Columns Episcopal Church. I'm an Episcopal priest in Mississippi, an avid Real Madrid fan, and a fairly recent supporter of your pod. Love it. Don't miss an episode. Nice. I'm applying for the position of caught offside chaplain, pastor to the pod. You see, J.J., I've noticed you and Andrew like to take digs at each other in good fun. As a professional, I know that's how dudes often relate to each other, but I also know there's a soul down there, curled up like a fan from a lower league team, hoping it will get noticed. So, Andrew, when JJ points out how Spursy Tottenham can be and your resentment builds, or JJ, when Liverpool utterly dominate everyone, except Madrid in 2018, okay, dig, and your pride swells, remember, I'm here if you need me. Plus, we can always wax theological about this game we love and obsess over. Peace. And that's from the Reverend C.J. Meters, Rector, St. Colm's Episcopal Church. That's beautiful. In Mississippi. I, I would like to have some sort of power when I feel <clears throat> like you've done something wrong. I can assign you like a certain number of Hail Marys or... Right. Yeah, I, I think I should have that role. I don't know if the Episcopal Episcopalian Church do the Hail Marys. Oh, I'm Jewish. I'm not really well I was going. I was going to say that I, I go full Alison Becker and invite you to like, oh, do you want to go swimming? And then I just fully baptize you and I get the Reverend CJ to do it. <laughs> so, <laughs> and it's, it's like, it's like, uh, what do you call it? It's like a, a mob, a mob, um. So you're saying we would just dive in a pool. Hey, let's, you know, let's play hey, in, the in the pool. Reverend, Reverend, go, All go, of go, sudden, go, go. You would grab my head, thrust it underwater, yeah. and this, this. CJ, he Reverend would come CJ. running out from behind the trees and say a prayer. Yeah, I, I, I would have a, I would go, caca, caca. <laughs> and then the Reverend CJ would run down in the full gear and we would, um, Make you one with Christ. You see, it's unfortunate because there's really no way that I can throw you like an on-the-spot bar mitzvah. It's too long of a process. Oh my it requires God. too much. It's damn expensive. I mean, the could, DJ alone. I guess I could say, JJ, come sit in this chair that I've set up for you over here. And you sit, and then instantly four men come running out, and we lift you, hoist you up. Oh, the horror man. plays. And, we're dead, and that's it. You, you know, now you're a man. You've been bar mitzvahed. Welcome to Forced Conversions on MTV. <laughs> Maybe I can throw you a, a, a surprise bris. Uh, we're going to get to that area. <laughs> what? Towards the end of the pod. If not that specific ceremony. What? Yes. 
All right. A surprise bris would not. That's, that's over a, here, JJ. That's violent assault. Don't mind the scissors. Ah, <laughs> oh, stop. All right. Enough of this. Uh, finally, Dave Langshear. Dave is uh, contacting us from New Zealand. Oh wow! What, uh, on a short list of places, I would love to go. Oh, it looks amazing. Yeah. Did you ever? You watch- often say I live in Mordor, even though I just I live like half an hour north of New York City. God knows what you think of actual Mordor. Yeah, you actually you actually live just on the outskirts of Vermont. Um, did you ever watch Flight of the Concords? Oh yeah, Jermaine present, <laughs> brilliant. Uh, Loved my, it. By far, the best character in the show was uh, Murray. Yeah, <laughs> he was. Every scene he was in, completely stolen. Yeah. Oh, and his conversations as well. He was having a conversation with a shopkeeper once, and he's upset about Jermaine um, having a girlfriend. Jermaine, mm-hmm. a girlfriend. It's what it's what ruined um, Fleetwood Mac. It's uh, gir- dating people within the band. That's what destroyed Fleetwood Mac. And the guy behind the counter goes, "Oh, rumors. No, no, it's all true." <laughs> right. Dave yeah. is from New Zealand. Um, you touched on it during your last podcast comparing teams of the old to this year's Liverpool team. How good would would it be if FIFA 21, the video game, added historical teams like the 99 United team or Arsenal's Invincibles so we could play against each other? We literally said that that's what should happen, right? Yeah. NBA 2K series already does this. Why can't FIFA also? Uh, what teams would you guys like to see if this ever came to fruition? Thanks and keep up the good, great work. Well, I had said I wanted a four-team tournament to decide the best Premier League team ever of this Liverpool. I want the Blackburn Rovers winning side to take on the Leicester City winning side. That would be amazing. Uh, Shearer versus Vardy. Yeah. Hmm. I'd like that. I think 99 United, Arsenal Invincibles, um, and we had said Pep's Man City team that set the points record right and probably assume and this Liverpool team is it weird that I want Kevin Keegan's Newcastle that blew 12 points to play Uh, someone sort of yeah Yeah. okay that was the mailbag I want Tim Sherwood Spurs (laughs) (laughs) Uh, let's see JJ I'll tell you what we're we're running long here so let's go right to this red card yes let's do this and JJ my red card I don't do things like this very often oh no Daniel Levy oh boy I think the world of Jack Grealish. I've talked about him on this podcast before. I just love his game. Just think he's a stud as a player. His tight shorts. So imagine. So imagine the way I was feeling when I read this. This is from Talk Sport. Uh, I saw this over the weekend. Actually, ironically, right before Tottenham played Aston Villa, and Jack Grealish was everywhere. Yeah. In this game. Um, this is from Talk Sport. Tottenham could have signed red hot Aston Villa playmaker Jack Grealish for just ready. Six million pounds 18 months ago. We're not talking like eight years ago when he was just like in middle school. 18 months ago, Jack Relish was known, a known quantity. Six million pounds, reports claim. Villa were willing to sell their talisman and captain, Grealish, for the cut price fee as they desperately needed the money. But Levy determined to drive a hard bargain, reduced his offer from six million to four million knowing the club needed the funds or faced going into administration. The Spurs squad were about to fly off to Los Angeles for their preseason tour, and Levy's no-nonsense negotiating backfired, because by the time they landed in the United States, Aston Villa had been bought by billionaires Nassif Saurius and Wes Edens, and that meant they were no longer skint, and Villa Park Chiefs changed their asking price to $40 million. Levy then considered a $20 million pound offer, but knew it would be rejected, so he pulled the plug on a deal for the playmaker. JJ, when that plane landed, 
and Levy realized what had just happened, do you think he had any moment where he thought, hmm, maybe this is God's way of telling me I should reevaluate some of my ways? And by the way, there's actually even part of me that thinks when the offer ballooned back up to $40 million, that I'm kind of like, well, that's not even so bad. But he had to take it to $20 million from that. I just wonder, like, what is – let's say they had done it, got Jack Grealish for $6 million. What is the domino effect of that? Because I feel like if they had him, you know, as much as it, it's hard to say this because Christian Eriksen was such a big part of a side that went to a Champions League final, but maybe having Grealish allows you – to part ways with Erickson right. in a time when you can now still get like his full value. And so then who knows what else you're able to do with that kind of money. Like he, get- he couldn't accept six million for a guy that everyone watching knew was going to be a star. He needed to get down to four. Are you kidding? And a guy who at eighteen was running the show in an FA Cup semifinal in twenty fifteen. I hope this isn't true. Like it's this is based on reports. And so like Maybe I'm being a little bit irresponsible and just seeing a report well, we, and just going with it. Well, we did we did hear that uh, Spurs made a derisory offer for Jack Grealish, but I think that was in the region of twenty million at the time. So this I don't, is I don't this know. is horrifying if true. What uh, do you have? My red card uh, back to the uh, groinal region. Sports Illustrated: An amateur soccer player in France has been suspended for five years for biting an opponent's penis during a fight on the pitch. The incident occurred during a game in November between SC Turville and AS Sotrich, two clubs in the eastern region of Lorraine, separated by just a ten-minute drive. When two players began fighting, the unidentified victim, a Turville player, stepped in to break it up, according to local news site Lorraine Actu. That's when the Sotrich player bit the Turville player on the penis. The victim was forced to go to the emergency room where he received a dozen stitches to close the wound and was deemed unfit for work for four days. The matter was was referred to a disciplinary arm of the local soccer governing body which ruled this week that the Sotrich player be suspended for five years. His club was also fined €200. Incredibly, the victim and his club were also punished. What? He was suspended until June 30th, 2020 for his actions in the locker room and in the parking lot. So, I mean, his actions would have been running around with half a penis in his hand, I would imagine. I don't know how that gets you a suspension. Uh, Turville was fined €200 and docked two points in the league standings. Now, this... uh, I was going to say aroused my interest, but I got it. You are really an animal. I was just... Thinking, I've heard this somewhere before, but in a loving way, on the field of play. And I looked it up. This is from the Irish Times. Where are you going with this? This is from the Irish Times, November 28, 2001. Spaniard charged for bizarre goal celebration. Sevilla's Francisco Gallardo has been charged by the Spanish Soccer Federation for biting teammate Jose Antonio Reyes' penis. So uh, Gallardo was charged by the Spanish Soccer Federation for biting teammate Jose Antonio Reyes' penis after he had scored in the club's 4-0 win over Valladolid at the weekend. That is the, um, by the way, that's the uh, sadly departed uh, Jose Antonio Reyes who went on to play for Arsenal afterwards. So You just never quite know what you're going to get when you sit down in the seat to do this show. You never know what you're going to get, but it it was a friend of the show that let us know about this. So he tweeted at us. His name was Dan, right? This is how Dan woke up to the notification. This is... (laughs) I saw it. It's like an ESPN alert. An ESPN alert of this, right? And 
Dan's uh, lock screen is a loving picture of him with his nearest and dearest and their two dogs. And emblazoned, blocking out their faces is penis bite. When reached for comment, Luis Suarez referred to it as the feel-good story of the year. <laughs> Caught offside's man of the match. Um, I never know what to do in a moment like this, JJ. Oh. So many thoughts running through my head as I prepare to do this. Oh, for... All right. Oh, no, I'm not ready. It's Erling Holland uh, trivia on, time. Come on, that's not fair. Uh, it's more than fair. It's uh, the game we were born to play. Erling Holland trivia. Here we go. It took Erling Holland just seven games to reach 10 goals. That is easily the fastest in history. The previous record was a three-way tie, 11 games to reach 10 goals in the Champions in the Champions League. Uh, do you know the three players who were who were able to score 10 goals in 11 games before Holland did it in seven? Mbappe? No. Raul? No. Vanister Roy? I'm going to give you a hint. Okay. For two of the three, I would tell you, don't think too hard. They are... Messi, Ronaldo. No, no, no. Um, think think with your heart, not with your head. <laughs> uh, Torres? No. Oh, go on. T- tell me. Sadio Mane? Oh. Roberto Firmino. Oh! And Adriano. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wouldn't have got those. <clears throat> uh, let's see. His... Holland's 10 Champions League goals are second most for a player prior to turning 20. Which teenager scored more? Uh, Mbappe. There you go. He scored 13. Holland did it in way fewer games, though. Um, And last but not least, this is a tough one, but I chose it because of you in particular. Can you name the player that Holland claims as his favorite player? It's not Roy Keane. No. Um, Is it Steven Gerrard? No, I'm sort of saying that ironically. Oh. Uh, who would be a player uh, that I don't often hear you say nice things about, even though he's a legend? Like a high, current player? Yeah. Ronaldo? No. I don't see Zlatan. Oh, okay. Holland said, I like him because of the way he has become so strong, his style of play, and he's Scandinavian, so someone has to become his heir. Love that confidence. This kid is for real. I'm all in. Did you enjoy that? Nope. Hate it. Hate it. Makes me think on the spot. I don't like it. I like time to reflect. Look, it's not easy. You got one of them right, so that's not bad. There's no shame in in what you did here. There is. I should have been looking up my Erling Haaland stats ready for that ambush. By the way, when I come to Christianize Christianize you, you won't see it coming either. (laughs) I know. You told me you're going to invite me for a swim and then drown me. Me and the Rev. (laughs) And Alison Becker. (laughs) Uh, Man of the match. Uh, My man of the match is... uh, the reason I was crying on the subway uh, this morning, our tears were, or my eyes were welling up at the very least. What a sight. Um, Ian Wright. Um, there's a show on BBC called Desert Island Discs where somebody famous is interviewed by Lauren Laverne, uh, by Laverne, Lauren Laverne, and the questions are, the interview is basically based around their favourite songs or records. The, the, uh, the songs they couldn't live without and that they would take to a desert island with them. Uh, if they were stranded. And uh, this is Ian Wright talking about someone really important in his early troubled life. It's his teacher, and um, he gets quite emotional, and it's just a remarkable listen. I remember him saying, uh, you know, because he was one of the youngest pilots in World War II, and when we won the war, he was one of the pilots chosen to do the flyover of Buckingham Palace, right? So I remember him saying that he was more proud 
of the fact that I played for England than him flying over fucking Paris. Oh, Ian. I love that man. Yeah. Wow. It's so powerful. He talks about his Arsenal career. He talks about sitting with his son, Bradley Wright Phillips, when Bradley was eight months old, making the decision to give up his job as a labourer to go and play with Crystal Palace. And he was afraid that if he gave up his job and it didn't work out, he would have no job to support his young family. He had Bradley Wright Phillips and Sean at that time, um, who went on to have excellent careers themselves. Um, It's just the most amazing interview. He's very honest about the mistakes he made in his life. He talks about his brief period in prison. And he talks about um, this teacher who just changed his life and told him when he would play, wouldn't let him play football if he was naughty in class, but just became the father figure he did not have at home from his stepfather or his father who had left, walked out on them, um, out on the fam, on the right family. So he's just, it's just the most amazing interview and that moment where he talks about somebody who can have that impact on, on, on his life and did have that impact on his life. It's just so emotional. And um, Desert Island Discs, BBC, podcast is for free. If you're an Arsenal fan, even if you're not, if you're a football fan, you should listen to it. That's great stuff. Wow. Yeah, amazing. And I feel, uh, I feel we could do a whole podcast on Desert Island things for you and I. Yeah. I have to give it some thought. I'm not prepared. Desert Island Andrews. Yeah, what I would have with me. I don't know. I'm going to think that over. Uh, that's good stuff, man. What a podcast. Yeah, it really is. It's not over yet, though, because there's still more to tell you. I need to rem- really more to remind you of. I need to remind you, JJ, that hiring is challenging. But there's one place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart, and growing businesses connect qualified candidates. Codable co-founder Gretchen Hebner experienced how challenging hiring can be after unsuccessfully searching for a new game artist to grow with her education tech company. But then she switched to ZipRecruiter and saw an immediate difference, and you can too, by signing up for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash offside. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. And by using ZipRecruiter's screening questions to filter candidates, Gretchen found it easier to focus on the best ones and then find the right one. In fact, after posting her job on ZipRecruiter, Gretchen said she was honestly surprised she found qualified applicants so quickly. And she hired a new game artist in less than two weeks. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. So here's the deal. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash offside. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash offside. O-F-F-S-I-D-E. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Oh, man. What a show. What a show. It's Thursday. We're close to the weekend. Do you have anything special happening? Uh, we're going, me and my girlfriend are going to Vermont tomorrow oh, nice. um, for a little uh, weekend away. You ski? Uh, I do not. She is a big snowboarding person. You'll go like snow tubing? I will go or, tubing or yeah. something like that. Uh, look after those knees of mine. Yeah. And, uh, yeah don't mess around. I, I worry and about my back it. and everything. All those injuries occurred. Yeah, I know. I heard about you had an incident at a doctor where they really kind of had a laugh at your physical situation. Oh, my, my phys- uh, the physio and the doctor standing over me in a, a, a prone position uh, basically said, uh, talking to each other like I wasn't there, oh, his, his core is so weak. I don't know how, <laughs> I don't, and the other guy goes, I don't know how he's played sports for this long with such a weak core. I don't know how he can stand up on his own. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm addressing the weak core issues. Look at him. 
his narrow torso, <laughs> barely supporting the weight of his bulbous head. <laughs> just like surprisingly, making, just like making fun of you. Oh yeah, seriously, like demeaning me. It's just it would be a, like for that reason alone, it's almost worth becoming a doctor. Oh, just to be able to just demean to like, people, yeah. But like do so in a way that it's kind of like shielded behind the medical profession. Oh, you could do. You could. This is what I do. Uh, your physical was excellent. Mr. Gundling, fantastic physical. You have many years ahead of you that you will probably waste. (laughs) I'm sorry, doctor. What what was that? Nothing, nothing, nothing. What does that have to do with why I'm... Nothing. You're in great shape for a (laughs) 65-year-old. Oh, this was fun, man. Hey, to you, I say... Take it later, fun boy. See ya. Take care. You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast. 